Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Who the Hell is Norfolk? This is of course the companion podcast to the Far Better Research, the History of England, made by my host, my underling, Mr. David Beeson, also my father. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about your episode 10, uh, which is called here today, no air tomorrow. Very funny. Ha, ha, yeah, ha, ha. clever, witty, punning hilarious. title. Yeah, truly, I, thought yes. you, I, I thought you'd enjoy yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, and this one, while well, we're going back to Elizabeth I, and the focus of the episode, I'd say, is more about... Well, I mean, one of the things that people know about her is that she never had an heir. You know, the, the, yeah. like, like I mentioned, the whole point of the... the well, she never had a child. She never had a child, sure, yes. <laughs> but... Um, the whole point of the uh, yeah the flower in Midsummer Night's Dream is that it's it was the flower that got the arrow Cupid aimed at Elizabeth and that's why she never married or yes. whatever. So you talk about the various suitors she may have considered, including even Philip II, but also we've got French monarchs, we've got Swedish monarchs, uh, but also the fact that maybe picking any one of them would not have been the best idea for her because it would always mean pissing off somebody else. Yeah. Uh, you also posit that perhaps she had no desire to get married because, well, A, it would actually decrease her power, and B, because of uh, trauma she almost certainly had as a uh, as a youth, or as a young teenager, right? Yeah. At the hands of her, not uncle, Thomas Well, Seymour. ultimately, she, he was her uh, stepfather. All right. Because he married Catherine Parr. Right. Who, who was, who... I mean, I don't know whether you can call that stepfather. Because she, she kind of adopted. Married, uh, he married her stepmother. Okay. Right. Catherine yes. Parr was her stepmother because she married Henry VIII. She was Henry VIII's last wife. Yeah? God, it gets cut. When someone yeah. marries so many important yeah, absolutely, women. Absolutely. <laughs> Catherine Parr had always actually been attracted to Thomas Seymour and was going to marry her until the king showed an interest in her. Ah. Uh, that, could be very dangerous. Is what did for Catherine Howard, the, the you know the pretty young thing, yes, who'd had dalliances, uh, and stupidly so, didn't give them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when the, Henry VIII married her. So, so basically, just for the benefit of the listeners, we've talked about two different Catherines. Yep. We've got Catherine Howard. Yep. Who is related to the namesake of this podcast? Norfolk. Norfolk, yeah, Duke of Norfolk. She, she, uh, he was her uncle, if I remember. Yes, but also Anne Boleyn was connected. Was also a niece. So, of, okay. Yeah. Anne Boleyn was another niece of, uh, uh, of, of Duke of Norfolk. Yeah. Uh, her daughter was Elizabeth. <clears throat> Anne Boleyn died under unfortunate circumstances. She As we all know, yeah, yeah. An accident with an axe. Yes. Um, so that meant that each of the subsequent wives of Henry VIII were her stepmothers. So, of course. Uh, that would have been um, Jane Seymour, who yeah. did have a child. So Edward. Jane Seymour, uh, related to Thomas Seymour. Yes, we'll come back to Thomas okay, Seymour okay, in a minute. Okay. Okay. Jane Seymour had, had a son, Edward. So yes. at last, Henry VIII had a male heir. So Elizabeth's, <laughs> Elizabeth's half-brother? Half-brother, yeah. absolutely. Right, exactly, right. Just yeah. trying to keep things so clear. It's complicated. Jane was, therefore her first, Elizabeth's first stepmother. stepmother. Then she Catherine, died. Yeah. Complications of childbirth, nothing nothing involving axes. Then you had Anne of Cleves, mm. whose marriage was dissolved. So this was the one that Thomas Cromwell liked, but 
Henry, Henry not so much. Well, Henry had he liked her, her, but he, yeah. but he didn't fancy her. Yeah. Um, and then you had Catherine Howard, another niece of the Duke of Norfolk, if I've got that right. Certainly related to the Duke of Norfolk, Duke yeah. of Norfolk anyway. She was, as I said before, the pretty young thing who wasn't able to keep her appetites under control until Henry VIII controlled them terminally. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then he finally married a young woman who had rather fallen for this man called Thomas Seymour. And Thomas Seymour was Jane Seymour's uh, brother. Okay, okay. Okay. So that would have made him the brother of... Elizabeth's first stepmother. Yeah. Okay. Then he married Catherine Parr, hmm. who was Elizabeth's fourth stepmother. stepmother if I got this right. <laughs> cool. So there's a double line of connection, rather remote relationship between Thomas Seymour and Elizabeth. Hmm. And the thing that you were referring to that may have traumatized her, I mean, historians differ about this. Some right. people think that it made no difference to her at all. She didn't care. She liked Thomas Seymour. But I think she was 14 at the time, and he took to what he called romping mm. with her. So he would come into her room, uh, dressed for bed. So you know, uh, I don't think they wore pyjamas, but whatever you wore in bed is what he'd be wearing. And he would play around physically with her. You know, I, I think he would... Slap her bum and things like that. tackle. Yeah, I don't think it was quite that violent. But I mean, you know, it would be, I have absolutely no doubt that we would regard what he did as harassment, deeply inappropriate mm-hmm. yeah, with a 14 year old girl. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And her governess also thought it was deeply inappropriate. Okay, so we have a Ca- contemporary. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Catherine Parr was less concerned about it and apparently occasionally joined in. I mean, you know, I think. There was a sense of this is just fun, you know. It's a bit like tickling a child, you know. Right, right, right. But I mean, there comes a point, you know. I have grandchildren uh, where you stop tickling, yeah, right, kids, when, particularly okay. girls. Yeah, right? especially yeah, teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there comes a point when you think that maybe this isn't appropriate behaviour. Mm. I think a lot of people felt that it wasn't appropriate, and eventually they sent Elizabeth away to make sure that it would, would stop happening. Now, I don't know whether that traumatised her or not, but it just feels to me like, the, you know, when you hear, for instance, people like the victims of Epstein and uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, you know, these are women who are now in their 30s or even 40s, I think, who have clearly never fully recovered from the experience of what they went through. Now, OK, people had sex with them, and there's no suggestion, I think, that Thomas Seymour ever had sex with them. Yeah, but there is, there is the, the element, and Epstein's a good example of this, that element of power play. Yes, you, you couldn't absolutely. You couldn't say no if you wanted to. And, and yes, exactly right. extremely, extremely difficult to Particularly do Particularly so. if Catherine Parr was playing along with it. Yeah. And I mean, Catherine Parr, don't get me wrong, I think Catherine Parr played an admirable role in Elizabeth's upbringing, and Elizabeth, I think, admired her greatly. Yeah. Um, and she protected her. Uh, against, yeah, I mean, after all, there were people who you know, were hoping very much to see Mary inherit, as she eventually did, become a Catholic queen in England. And uh, the, uh, having a Catholic queen, if they eventually did, would make having her heir and sister a Protestant no very good thing. So, you know, there was always threats against her life. Yes, yes. And yet... Uh... So it was nice of her to look after Elizabeth, but then again, wasn't it? Was it not the Seymours who tried to uh, scuttle Henry VIII's inheritance plan? Yeah, uh, Henry VIII had set up a re- had, had 
decree that there should be a Regency Council to run England, mm. and that uh, Edward's uncle, Edward Seymour, so another Edward, okay. just to confuse things. And another Seymour, also to confuse things. Yes. Well, it was almost bound to be a Seymour since he was the uncle. Yeah. 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 Um, was on that council. And what Edward Seymour did is, you know, manoeuvre himself into a position where he was basically running the council and made himself, gave himself the title of Lord Protector, which was not at all something that Henry had envisaged. Yeah, yeah. So essentially he was acting as king in Edward's name, yeah? Yes. And Thomas Seymour, who seems to have been a pretty nasty piece of work in many ways, um, plotted against him. Yes. Uh, and at one point did actually... Uh, basically abduct Edward and keep him in his control and tried to get Edward to sign over power to him. Mm. Um, and and how, how old was Edward, do we know, more or less at this time? Well, he was nine when he came to the throne, so I guess at the time he was being 10, 11 or 12 or something. Right. And he, you know, he refused to sign the document. Well, it just shows some... Some guts, yeah. For a 10-year-old, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, this all came to the brothers, Thomas Seymour's brother's attention, the Lord Protector's attention. This is Edward Seymour. Edward Seymour. For those of you who are still trying to keep or, up. If you like, you can call him Somerset, because he was the Duke of Somerset. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Let's confuse things even further. Who the hell is Somerset? Yeah. Well, the answer to that is Edward Seymour. <laughs> um, and uh, he had his brother eventually executed. Wait, which one had who executed? Edward had Thomas, Thomas executed. executed. Okay, okay. But then Edward came to rather sticky end himself anyway. Uh, he was also executed. Yeah. There was rather a lot of that going on. Yeah, it, it feels like, you know, like, okay, the previous episode we were talking about Amadas and about, you know, international possessions of different countries and all that and it that's so much easier to follow than this stuff these family politics and yeah. you know these powerful families and the, the bickering between them but also amongst them and and but yeah so and, if, and the fact that henry had six wives only adds to the the messiness of it all the, absolutely the, yeah, yeah. No, no it was extremely messy and extremely unpleasant i mean uh, very vindictive i mean uh, there's plenty of that kind of thing happening still isn't there you know um, someone like Putin, someone like Trump, to be honest, has the same vision of opponents as people to, to not eliminate. just defeat yeah. but exterminate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you kill to to. Well, in, in, I don't know. To I don't know if I'd say uh, that about Trump, but certainly you know, make it well, impossible to. <laughs> what's coming out now in the January the sixth hearings suggests that he knew <laughs> those people were armed, and he sent them down to the the capital. Uh, he knew they want they they were calling for uh, Mike Mike Pence, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, I don't see him as someone who wants to. to I mean, again, we're being distracted, but that's fine. That's what we do. So, what I think was the most telling account of all the January six hearings is he was enraged by again. This is such a top. This is such a Trump thing. He was enraged by how small the crowd was. Yeah. And because a whole bunch of people weren't being let into the speech area because they were armed. armed. Yeah. So that's how we know he knew that they were armed. But I think he wasn't thinking, oh, they armed, I will use that. He was like, let them in anyway, because I, I don't want any photos of small crowds again. But that was his biggest sure. issue. But, but then, he also yes. sent a crowd yeah, that he yeah, knew yeah. to be armed to the down to the capital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also, he said, let them in. They're not here to hurt me. So it's exactly. a complete disregard for the safety of others. So yeah, by all means, but I think it's not as, no, okay, as focused. As, I, yeah. I don't want to be, yeah, I don't yeah. want to overstate <laughs> it. He, he, he certainly didn't go as far as Putin. Yeah. My feeling is that given 
the authority, he might very well have gone sure, to Russia. Sure, sure. But don't forget about him. I mean, yeah. there's plenty of others. Duterte in, in the Philippines, sure. Bolsonaro in Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I mean, sort of extrajudicial type of, yeah, well, of course. Going back to Elizabeth, so she was somehow implicated in this plot to have Edward sign over power to Thomas Seymour, right? Uh, people uh, uh, said she was. Uh, she said she wasn't, mm. and she was able to persuade the people who investigated her Sorry, she was able to persuade them that they couldn't bring a case against her. <laughs> well, that matters. <laughs> That's a very pragmatic way of seeing things. They couldn't prove a case against her. Yeah, so she was, she was already very clever. I mean, she's always been very clever, it seems. She was an astonishingly clever woman. I mean, yeah. she she was quite a sad young girl, I think, because you know she was very, very keen on winning her father's affection. I mean, it may be that she was very keen on winning the king's affection. Right. But the king happened to be her father, so maybe it was... A, it was partly a personal thing. It's hard to pass that, isn't yeah. it? And she did things like, you know, I can't remember what she did exactly. I, I know she did some extraordinary Latin work, like translating, uh, I forget what it was, but she translated a book, I think, into Latin. Oh, wow. And sent it to him, you know, all written in her own hand, you know, as a, an example of how you know, devoted she was to him. And uh, I think, you know, he liked her and thought she was great. But, uh, you know, yeah, he was obviously she couldn't get close to a bit him. more focused on himself, yeah. I suspect. Yes, absolutely, yeah. 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 But I think, you know, she had um, an enormous talent. Right. So, again, this very clever woman decides not to marry. I think it's fair to say it was a decision. I think so, yes. I mean, I, think that, uh, uh, I remember you asked this question about uh, would, you know, would it have been possible for her to marry a Catholic and remain a Protestant? Um, I mean, I think it would have been possible for a Protestant king to marry a Catholic wife and remain a Protestant. And it, you know, that kind of thing happened, although it was always a bit dubious. I mean, you know, uh, James I married a Catholic and there was very serious question marks over how solid his Protestantism was. And right. I think if, if we get to that episode, I think if, if I remember... He uh, he converted on his deathbed anyway, um, so yeah, it's dubious whether he could really marry a Catholic and remain a Protestant. Yeah, because you mentioned that she was even Philip the Second was in the running yeah, potentially, yeah. so that would have saved us from the Armada and all the rest. Absolutely, which, which you suggest might have been sadder state of affairs. Than yeah, quite. <laughs> but uh, she, um, I think, it'd be much more difficult for a woman to resist anyway, because I think this is the thing that really worried her: mm. uh, a wife was absolutely subject to the authority of her husband. And the husband of a queen would have been a king. Right. And she so been, you, 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 Well, you, we do have king consorts. Sure, but he would have behaved as a king. Yeah, yeah. As a husband. But then Philip II didn't... Did Philip II act as, as king when he was married to Mary? Well, he came over and he did do things, like, the navy, like, like yeah. reorganising the navy and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, he had other duties, so uh, maybe you know, he couldn't focus on England. But you can imagine someone like... <clears throat> the brother of the French king yeah, comes to him in England. And he's like, that, that's his terrain now. Yeah, he wants yeah. to manage it. And he, he, yeah. I think she would see herself as being much less of a queen. And yeah, you have that quote about her saying, what was it saying about it's better to be a beggar and single? No, I thought it was now. <laughs> uh, something like that. Yes, it was uh, better to be beggar and, a beggar and single than a queen and married. Yeah. Uh, I, yes, I think uh, she wanted to be her own... Boss. So is she, uh, again, it's such a different time and different mores and all that, but 
Could she be considered a feminist for that kind of sentiment? Well, I mean, yes, for her time, I think she probably was a feminist, yeah? Yeah. <clears throat> but I don't think she would be a feminist in modern terms at all. I mean, you know, uh, that great speech she gave, I know I have but the body of a weak and feeble woman, yeah, that but I have the heart and stomach <laughs> of a king. Yeah. So in other words, what she's saying is that I have the, despite being a mere woman, yeah. I have the... Uh, you know, the characteristics and the you know, the strength is, of a man. Do we know is any any evidence of her looking out for other women and like pushing for any kind of? Well, actually, that's that's, that's I'm a not question. aware of it at all. Yeah. I mean, you know, all her counselors were men. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I also think she rather liked men. Mm. Uh, whether she ever actually had sex with a man I, or anybody, uh, I think is unlikely. I think she probably did genuinely die a virgin. Oh, really? Um, I think it would have been almost impossible for her to have sex because uh, there was very little privacy in the palace. Well, Henry VIII got away with it. Oh, but I think a lot of people knew. They just knew knew. it. Maybe she she maybe didn't feel she could get away with it like he could. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, (laughs) again, because a man uh, uh, was always uh, powerful over a woman, you can imagine her lover, her known lover. Yeah, yeah, no, people no. would start to behave towards him yeah, as though he had real authority. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, I, I suspect she she didn't have uh, didn't have sex with Lester or any of the people that she obviously did love. I'm sure she really did love Lester in particular. Yeah, is the is Lester the one about his last letter? That's right. Uh, uh, she had a little casket by the side of her bed, which was not. Uh, in which they found the letter which she had written herself on the outside, his last letter. Because what happened? So he had a sticky end in the Netherlands, right? Uh, well, right. no, he didn't do well in the Netherlands. Right. And he didn't do well in Ireland. In fact, he didn't do well anywhere. He <laughs> commanded forces. I can't remember how he died, but right. I, I think he may have died uh, in, in, in a perfectly natural way. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. But yeah, but the point was, he was yeah, he was the one. He, he's we remember him from previous episodes as the not very competent commander, but favorite of the queen. That's right. That's right. Okay. Okay. So earlier I said she didn't produce an heir and you said she didn't have children. So what did you mean by that? Well, there was an heir uh, who was James the first. You know, uh, I mean, there isn't always an heir. You could have a situation where the royal family simply ran out. Yeah. But generally speaking, if you go back sufficient generations and down another line, you can find something. So this is brace yourself, last bit of family tree crap. Um, so, relationship to James the First? Oh my God! No. <laughs> okay, so her father was Henry, and his father was Henry the Seventh, and his sister was. So okay, so you're going back two generations yeah, yeah. there, and then down the other side, I think you go down three or four because you've got uh, Henry the Seventh's sister's son is James the Fourth. Then there's James the fifth, then there's Mary, and then there's James the sixth. Gosh, so there were... so that's four generations, isn't it? So, wow. So, two so she's four. like, uh, I suppose you might call it something like second, is it second, second cousin, cousin twice, twice removed? removed? Yeah, that's, yeah what... <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Yeah, me, yeah. yeah. So Gosh. it's a very distant cousin. Yes. Yes, that's right. Because Mary was her second cousin once removed, wasn't she? Uh, I, I take your I word think. for that. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that sounds, yes, that sounds very plausible to me. Yes. Uh, fantastic. Okay, so... So, very clever woman, stable reign for a good long time, died beginning of 17th century, right? Yes. And uh, so I suppose James I comes in for this new century, and this is James I and James VI, right? If I yes. remember this correctly. Okay, so this is... This James is, VI of Scotland, James I of England. Right, right. So this yeah. is this is the 
the, 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 what we were talking about before about the unification of clans. But that's for another episode. Yes. So yeah, and among the various potential suitors you mentioned is the King of Sweden. Now that's a kingdom we haven't mentioned so far in this podcast. And Sweden, I don't really know that much about it historically. The impression I have of it is it seems to swing wildly from the Sweden that we know today, sort of peaceful and you know, inoffensive and you know, sophisticated, and then suddenly murderously imperialistic. Is that an accurate perception I have? or? Well, yeah, I mean... I... I'm not sure it was any more murderously imperialistic than the any other yeah. imperialistic nation. But yes, I mean, it, we're on the brink of two periods of major imperial uh, aggrandizement by, uh, by Sweden. Uh, they fought in the um, Thirty Years' War, which is not that far away anymore. 1618 is going to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this great king, Gustavus Adolphus, who led Swedish troops all around Europe. Um, you may remember visiting that castle in Alsace. No. Nope. <laughs> There's a, a lovely castle which was uh, uh, restored by the Germans when they controlled Alsace. Um, and you know, they did an awful job of it. I mean, it, it's now mm. sort of like a uh, more of a monument to German architecture in the <laughs> then, 20th century. They weren't trying to be anyway, true no, to the no, original no. design. Okay. But that castle was, was uh, wrecked by Swedes. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, a lot of the troops fighting with Gustavus Adolphus was, uh, were, were, were Germans, but you know, the usual thing. I mean, you employed local men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, it was a Swedish army. It makes uh, me, it's just, it's just sort of, I guess, Again, you, know, we talk, you think about Scandinavia today, yeah. and then you go back, what, 1,500 years, and we have the Vikings, yeah. who are maybe the prototypical barbarian, again, in between quotes, uh, yeah, military force that survives off, literally off of raiding. Yeah. I mean, they were farmers, and people always like to you know, point out they were actually a, a civilization. But still, you know, they're, they're famously violent. And then moments of, long moments of peace. Yes. Well, uh, the interesting thing is the next... Phase. I mean, sorry, under Gustavus Adolphus, you get the formation of a Swedish empire. And I can't remember all the details, but I know that a lot of the southern coast of the Baltic Sea became Swedish. So mm-hmm. what's now German Pomerania and places like that were Swedish. Uh, I can't remember whether they conquered Denmark or whatever, but, you know. But also, they go, like, the Baltic states as well. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah, like yeah. A, a pretty Poland, big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the next lot were in the 18th century when you had Charles X, who actually came to a sticky end at the Battle of Poltava, which I can't remember. I think it is actually it is in Ukraine. And I believe <laughs> uh, you know, various leaders visited Poltava just a few days ago, you know, along with uh, uh, Zelensky, you know, with the president of Ukraine, part of the present unpleasantness. Mm. Um and he was defeated by a Russian army at Poltava and had to get out of there and eventually headed to Turkish territory, which extended a lot further into what is present-day you know, Moldova, Romania. Right, right, right. Uh, so they went quite far Ukraine. north. Ukraine. Yeah. I, I mean, Crimea was, uh, was, was Turkish in, probably into the 19th century, if I remember, yeah. Um, so he got to Turkish territory and the... And the the Ottomans then captured him and held him prisoner and eventually negotiated his release. I can't remember if there was a ransom, there probably was. Uh, and after his death, uh, it was decided that Swedes actually met, you know, sort of parliament or whatever, 
and decided that, that was it. No more fights. Never do no this more, anymore. No more, no military more campaigns. imperialism. Oh, okay. Uh, Sweden would concentrate on making itself wealthy and powerful, and stop fighting wars. So again, uh, for, for my computer gaming listeners, this is the equivalent of choosing to, to no longer build wide and start building tall. This that's is, right. That's the parlance. Yes. And in fact, I mean, I think uh, Sweden has, well, I, I know it has this immensely old company, maybe the world's oldest, you know, 800 years old or 900 years old. Uh, sorry, 800 years old is the figure I know, and I suppose now it's approaching 900. Uh, and it's just called Tora, which means the big one. <laughs> and it's fascinating because it started off as a company um, let me get this right yes they were mining copper and the copper they mined was pretty low grade but they had a monopoly uh, yeah. and so they kept doing it and then the Swedes raised they lifted the monopoly and allowed foreign copper to come in and that was the end of Tor as a, as a mining federation and they said as a mining company and they got together and they said well what can we do instead and they said well look these mines of ours are in the middle of huge forests, which all belong to us. So let's become a timber company <laughs> instead. And then they became a paper company and from the timber. And then in the 20th century, they moved into uh, you know, chip production and this kind of stuff. And this, they go on being a major company. I, I can't remember who they belong to now, but they now belong to a great international corporation. Yeah, yeah, sure. I can't remember, American, I imagine. I can't remember which one it is. But I remember hearing a chief executive of the company being interviewed once, and he said, chief executives don't feel you know, that the company is theirs. They feel that they hold the legacy for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, even if you're, you know, 15 years, say, as chief executive, is a very long time. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Company, yeah. yeah. But it's nothing out of 800. Yeah, especially 800, I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you think of yourself as really a, you know, a tiny drop in this huge ocean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that, in many ways, sums up what made, what has made Sweden one of the wealthiest places on earth. And it's a great pity that we didn't think of doing that as well. Instead of sending Drake, Drake off to attack, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's like why Santander. waste why waste blood and gold on these useless useless ventures yeah. when you can do what Sweden did. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's that's the lesson we've taken a long time as a world to learn. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, yeah, we haven't learned. <laughs> well, we get it. Well, maybe not. But uh, on that pleasant note uh, I'll say well I'll say the end of this episode for now uh, as always I want to remind you you can write to us at who the hell is Norfolk at gmail.com and uh, yes well join us next episode in, in the 17th century excellent thank you very much and speak to you soon